My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. The motivation to keep doing what I'm doing is knowing that I'm changing people's lives and every conversation matters. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyron Shum and in this episode, we continue the conversation with the founder of Wealthful, Chris Bates. He will detail the dangers of hotspotting and why his strategy focuses on the long term. As well as this, hear about the value of believing in yourself and the resource that kicked off Bates' own property investment journey. Previously, we heard about the success of Bates' business and his personal property portfolio. Now, let's explore the strategy that he used to achieve this. Books are starting to perpetuate what the Australians really want to hear and that's the sell the property dream, you know, and um, and hotspotting and, you know, uh, lots of properties, etc. And I just don't think this works, you know. I think hotspotting is... Um, uh, extremely dangerous because what you're doing is you're betting on a short-term growth and if that doesn't happen, then you've got buy costs, sell costs and, you're, and then you've got to get out of this hotspot as well because you've went there for a short-term growth and now you've got to get out of it and then you've got to pay selling costs and capital gains tax, um, etc. Um, what we bet on is long-term fundamentals. So things that, yeah, may or may not happen in the short term but we know they're going to stay um, like that longer term. In his business, Bates makes sure to advise his clients with this strategy and to practice what he preaches. So, I mean, I just jumped off a call, right, with a, a client who wants to buy in Brisbane, for example. Um, and, um, you know, he wants to buy in the outer rings of Brisbane, you know. Um, and, you know, when I looked at that a few years ago, I said, look, there's so many properties in out, the outskirts of Brisbane. It's not a big city. It's easy to get around. Um, you know, where would actually people want to leave Sydney for? and move to Brisbane. If the city, if you're doing well in Brisbane, where do you want to live? You want to live around the river, around the city and an old sort of Queenslander, right? And so we had lots of clients buy up there, you know, for seven, eight, nine hundred thousand, you know, old Queenslanders, you know, decent blocks around the city. Look, all of those now are worth like one, three to one, six, right? They've all gone up dramatically. Yeah, the outer suburbs have gone up due to affordability and low rates, but they're not driven by higher incomes. Um, and so do those, will those, as Brisbane grows as a city will the fraction of the population do well financially yes will people who are doing well financially from other states move there yes where are they going to want to be they're going to want to be in these you know locations around the city um, because they want to buy a lifestyle property is driven by the lifestyle benefit and that's why people pay a lot of money for a property versus another property um, 
And so, yeah, I would still say that's a great hold long term. Yeah, you could sort of, I mean, you could say, look, I'm going to willing to cash in, but then where do you want to go? You want to go play in another quality market? Well, that's probably gone up as well, you know. So it's not like you can shift your money from Brisbane and take it to Sydney. Well, Sydney's went up just as much in the last few years and so has Melbourne and so are a lot of the quality regions. Um, so I think, you know, switching and buying different cities is really tough, um, especially if you pay capital gains tax along the way because, um you know, if you've made 600 grand in gains, then you lose 150 of that in capital gains tax. And then you, so you're reducing your asset base to make these transactions. Then you've got stamp duty and, um, and selling costs. So I think the hot buy and hold strategy is the best strategy, maybe adding value to those land as well. You have got developments and things like that, which you can definitely play in and um, try to manufacture growth. Um, and we've seen clients do very well in that. But I feel like a lot of that has been luck rather than skill because the, the, the people it's really worked for has bought in an area that, um, you know, you know, pre-boom and then a boom's happened and then they've made money on their build because they've sold in a really hot market. So it's a real timing issue there and you've got to get lucky where we've seen it go both ways for clients. The clients that Bates works with are usually in a younger age bracket and come to him for help investing into their future. It's usually the, you know, the younger couple, pre-kids, um, and, you know, one or two of them are doing, you know, have, so they're usually maybe around 30 to 35, um, you know, and so their careers are quite established now. They've had five, 10 years in the workforce um, and, you know, they've had some pay rises. They've been, they've been, you know, putting a lot of energy into their self-education and growing themselves and their human capital and now they're out there and they're earning a decent income, you know, either one of the parties or both. And so incomes could be, you know, 200, 300, 400, who knows, right? It definitely can be a lot higher than that as well. So they're coming to us and a lot of them have gone and enjoying their lives. Um, and, so, and so maybe they've got a bit of savings or maybe they've got heaps of savings, whether it's inheritance or, you know, gifts from family, et cetera. Um, and we're really trying to have a longer term lifestyle chat with them. Okay, so you're with a young couple, pre-kids, you know, where have you from? Where'd you grow up? You know, where's your family? What's Where's the best opportunities for work? Where do you want to live long term? You know, and we have those conversations and we say, look, can we firstly try to get an asset that you could grow into? Um, and, you know, if you don't want to live there now, like they might say, look, we want to live around the city now, but we're happy to move to, you know, down towards the Shire or Hornsby in the future or something like that. Like, why don't we go and buy that as an investment? Maybe live in it for six months, move back to the city, rent an apartment. So we, we're trying to sort of problem solve that situation for them um want to solve their long-term lifestyle need from a from a um from a living point of view because if they don't solve that they go and invest that money elsewhere then they go and have kids and then they've got they want a house to live in because they want stability and security and school zones then they've got to sell those investments to then go and do that and then that's probably a good asset because that's driven by demographics um and I'd argue that's probably, especially that sub $2 million range in houses is really, really tough, right? Especially in somewhere like Sydney. So that's the sort of conversations we have. You know, that's the type of clientele that we're working with. You know, it's, it's usually multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars of income. Um, and, you know, they're, they're either trying to get their first place or they come to us and they go, look, we've got an apartment, but it's not big enough. Um, we need to do an upgrade. Um, and we, and we you know, so how do we make that happen? Do we buy before we sell? What do we buy? What can we afford to borrow, et cetera? Um, and then you've got the third type of client that's, you know, super happy in the house. They've renovated it. They've, got, they've been smart. They've just been focusing on paying down their mortgage. So they've got a huge amount of equity. They're on great incomes because maybe they're in their 40s and they're, they're getting started peak earning. Um, and then we start to, you know, try to help them buy one or two investment properties. But it's not like six or seven. It's like two quality assets. 
Bates advises that people buy their future family home so that when the time comes, they already have housing stability. You think about that advice has been the same for the last eight years and we've had clients been doing that and look what's happened in the Sydney sort of market, right? So people naturally at that stage go, I want to buy something for what suits me now, you know. Um, you know, I was having a conversation with a client yesterday around this and, um, you know, we just want to buy an apartment. That's what we need. Oh, no, sorry. They were in a townhouse uh, and a, a two-bed townhouse and they're thinking about buying investment property. And I'm saying, look, you guys have got the income there. You've got the equity there. You could get into the housing market, into the lower North Shore, which is where they their family are and they want to live long term. But instead, they were going down the wrong track. They were like, we've already got a two-bed townhouse. We're going to go and buy this investment property. I can see the writing on the walls. You're already telling me you guys want kids in a few years' time. Um, but they just didn't want to make that big lifestyle shift now because they'd just gone and spent a year trying to buy this you know, two-bed townhouse last year. And so it's you know, helping them think through their longer-term um, lifestyle need. Now, the reason why you do it is firstly, it de-risks yourself financially long-term because you've um, you don't have to worry about dealing that problem in the future, which may run on you or you might not be able to because of incomes or whatever. Um, two, you can get it growing tax-free by living in it for a little bit um, and then getting the six-year rule. And three, I'd argue that's probably one of the strongest growth assets, um, you know, to be in the sort of family housing market in a, in a capital city. Um, that's more likely to do better than pretty much any other investment out there, to be honest. Um uh, because it's driven by real scarcity and it's driven by, you know, high incomes, people competing for a scarce product. Um, and so rather than buying an investment property and playing in a sub, you know, not a, as good market, you're getting all those other benefits as well. Um, and so that's why we, we encourage people to go down that route. If you're an investor who already has a few properties but are now looking for a home to grow into, Bates shares how to break into that market. Look, you know, I'm sure there's people that defy the rule. Back 2014, you could borrow 10, 10 or 12 times your income, right? Now, you struggle to get six or seven times your income. And you could borrow a lot more to buy investment properties than you could buying homes and interest rates were a lot higher. So back then, it actually did make sense to potentially gear up a lot more into investment properties because you could, like double almost, um, and interest rates were higher so you get the negative gearing benefits and owning homes was expensive. So when interest rates shifted lower and would argue that they're going to likely stay at low at some level, even in the threes and fours, um, it means that home ownership is cheap plus you don't have to pay rent so your rent offsets your interest. And so that's the big driver why house prices have gone up through the roof because lower rates make it more enticing to take on home debt. Um, and so I think that the fallacy though is that you're thinking that you're going to buy all these investments and they're going to grow faster than the home and then you're going to take off the transaction costs and capital gains tax. Um, and I think it's also if it doesn't happen, right, if your investments don't go up and then the home goes up that you ultimately want, um, it's like a double hit because you've got their minus off the cost, etc. So I do think though, if you've, you know, potentially doing rent vesting so you can get a home, maybe the strategy is just to shift from rent vesting into getting that home sooner rather than later, rather than expecting your investments to outpace the home that you want to buy. Now, if you want to move to a regional town into a, a cheap house that's, not super desirable and there's lots of them, then absolutely invest your money elsewhere, get that working for you and then just go and rent in these locations um, rather than owning that as your home or buy it when you can really afford to do it and you can take that, you know, the opportunity cost of owning that. Um, but yeah, if you do want to get into a quality housing market, um, then even if you do well on your investments, that's probably going to be offset by the opportunity cost where you have to pay more for that in the future. At the beginning of COVID-19, Many investors anticipated that the property market would settle and come back. 
but it did the opposite and skyrocketed. Well, there was a lot of heat behind the market in 2019. As soon as the negative gearing changes didn't go ahead, APRA cut borrowing capacity, um, increased borrowing capacities, interest rates got cut in 2019. The market took off late 2019. When COVID hit, there was a lot of steam behind the market. Yeah, there was a little bit of a, I'm not sure what's going to happen with this, but then interest rates crashed. Um, people were spending a lot more time in their home and we literally in, in March, April, May, you know, after that April period, um, we could start to see, you know, people coming to us and saying, look, you know, we're, we're really keen to take advantage of that. And you could see that in late 2020, the market did start to really pick up. And then obviously going into 2021, there was so much heat behind the market and people couldn't sell for lots of different reasons. They couldn't find other properties on the market. So they were, that was getting a supply lag. And that's what caused 2021. We are seeing 2022 is interesting though because prices are much higher. Buyers are a lot more hesitant to take on a lot more debt because they're going to take on, because you've got to pay a lot more for it, but then B, interest rates are likely to increase. And so they're not going to compromise um, as much as they were willing to last year. And so properties that are on busy roads, that are dark, that, um, you know, have got privacy issues or weird blocks or weird layouts or, you know, future infrastructure, these properties aren't, are going to sit on the market because they're not going to probably be able to replicate the price sales they got last year. Um, and the sellers won't want to sell them unless they can sell them for the same price in 2021. So you've got the sellers are going to hold their, buyers aren't going to want to buy them and sellers aren't going to want to sell them and they're going to just sit on the market. Um, the good properties though, um, you know, on good streets, unfortunately all the buyers are going to shift to those properties. And even if interest rates do increase, they're still desirable at current prices. It doesn't sound, sounds crazy, but people paying, you know, two, three million dollars for a house, they're not going in there and borrowing 80% on it. They're going in there with a million to, to two million dollars of cash because they've sold something else. Um, and so even if interest rates go up, they're not like they're paying three or four percent on two million dollars of debt. They're only paying that on a, a smaller mortgage because they went in there with such a big deposit. Coming up after the break, we hear the best advice Bates has received. Just really have a crack at it and, and, and believe in yourself. He shares the advice that he would give to himself 10 years ago. I would say, you know, don't fall for shiny object syndrome um, and, you know, when you and just pick a problem and, and go and solve it. We'll learn about the resource that aided Bates' career. I, I mean, I really love Pete Wargent. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey, let's be real. Deals that can yield 20 to 30% per annum do exist. Don't believe me? Well, here's a story about property development I invested in Victoria. This developer had the project fully funded beforehand, but he and his family suffered a loss, a circumstance that led him to be unable to proceed with the development. So, I stepped in and in two weeks, we funded the shortfall, allowing for the development to continue. Five months later, the development was refinanced and we received our funds back with interest. Yes, there are amazing opportunities in the property market like this one. So, do you want to get a better return with lower risk on your money? Then register your interest by visiting propertyinvestory.com. Throughout his property investing journey, Bates has received irreplaceable advice. 
However, it may not have necessarily been from a person but from the world. I think the best thing I ever did was um, go out and see the world and um, and invest in yourself and invest in your knowledge and um, just really have a crack at it and, and, and believe in yourself and when you know you've um, and always stick to your principles and doing the right thing. Um, you know, working in we, we if, if whatever the best advice is for clients, we just sort of give it the way it is. We know how to deliver it in a way that's going to be digestible for them. Um, but that's always going to come and be better for our business. You know, so we have zero phone anxiety. We always know that we've looked out after our clients' best interests. Um, and so always focus on the long term, um, invest in yourself um, and um, yeah, try to stay grounded and remember how just lucky you are really to, to be alive and healthy and, um, and focus on the right things. So that would be my best advice that, you know, whether I received that or not, I probably just got that advice from, from going out and, and um, trying to explore the world. So hopefully that helps people. Let's take a step back to the start of Bates' property investment journey and look at the resources that he used to get his foot in the door. So I'm trying to remember back to, to what books are really important. I mean, there's always the sort of standard sort of, you know, business books, etc. In property per se, I mean, I really love Pete Wargent. Um, you know, Pete is a, you know, a very smart chap who really understands, you know, a lot around property and does a lot of research. And so I'd say his blogs was, was definitely a key sort of, part of the picture um in terms of other property books i think you know there's not to i mean michael yardney in fairness as well his his books um have, have are pretty much bang on what i believe as well you know um he will talk pretty straight to um the importance of understanding your demographics and population so in terms of property per se they're the two ones that i would probably suggest in australia that you know you'd probably get a bit of value out of Bates shares the advice that he would give to himself 10 years ago which can also be valuable for others beginning their property investment journey today. Look, I think my my uh, because I was ten years ago, so we say two thousand and twelve. Um, look, I think in the initial stage in business, I was sort of wanting to help everyone, and you know whether it was older clients and younger clients, etc. Um, and so I would say, you know, don't fall for shiny object syndrome. Um, and you know, when you and just pick a problem and and go and solve it. Um, and so that's what we probably made a decision in business around 2015, 16, that we just were going to go and own this one problem, which is sort of guiding people on their big property decisions. And so I think whatever you're doing in life, if you're passionate about a problem, you know, yeah, there's lots of other things you could solve or do as a business, et cetera. But, you know, you won't get um, flow and you won't get, um, you know, knowledge because you're trying to, I'm learning about this, I'm learning about that and I'm doing this. But, you know, once you've got your problem you want to solve in the world, then just go for it and uh, and keep investing in it and um, know that you're making a difference in that problem. So I would say um, that's just that's probably a, a great thing to be. When you get that that real calling and you know what you're doing and whether it's business or you're working somewhere, the, the temptation is always to jump ship and, you know, do something new. But I just don't think that gets you. You go two steps back to then potentially go one step forward. Bates has a lot of wisdom to share from his time investing in the property market. Let's hear some advice specifically regarding worries about debt. It all comes down to your your confidence and your belief in your capacity to earn an income um, and you doing that sustainably long term. Now, if you go and take on a $2 million mortgage but you hate your job and you want to quit that and you want to go and start a new business that's got um, unreliable income, then absolutely it's going to be stressful, right? Or if you go and take on that big mortgage without any buffers, without any um, 
you know, money in offset accounts, etc. So I would say, yeah, definitely understand how to use buffers to protect you if there was any change to your employment. And people don't use buffers correctly. They don't know how to pull equity out. They don't know how to use offset accounts. They don't understand how to reduce their repayments and, and things like that. So protect yourself with buffers. Use buffers to give you that sleep at night factor. Um, but then also, you know, from paying a mortgage, et cetera, um, doing a job that you love and something you're passionate about because then that's going to um, give you confidence that your income is going to be there and keep investing in yourself. Like, you know, you can't ever get complacent and think that I've got this job and it's going to keep on happening. There's people that are studying today that are working hard that are, that are wanting to do your jobs and unless you keep staying ahead, um, then you've got to be um, – your future income is never guaranteed. So, yeah, yes, you could have a big mortgage but – if your income's always there and your income's growing and you've got buffers, then what are you really concerned about? Even if interest rates go up, you've got buffers and you're going to have wage increases as well. So I would say that's my biggest advice to, to people. Um, and that's what we see from our clients. Look, the clients that we take on are the clients that have got strong trajectories that are, are investing in themselves, are studying, et cetera. Um, and uh, so they back themselves and, and they back themselves into to buying, um, taking on a bit more debt than the average. Perseverance is a big challenge but when times are tough and you feel like throwing in the towel, overcoming challenges can lead to great rewards. Yeah, you just got to be aligned to it though. Like you've got to really genuinely be passionate about it and generally know that you're helping and making a difference in people's lives because that needs to be, that's your motivation long term, you know. The motivation to keep doing what I'm doing is knowing that I'm changing people's lives and every conversation matters and etc. Whereas if I knew I was just sort of selling a product and I could just sell more of it, then it's only a financial benefit. I'm not going to have that same reward once you've got certain financial security and you're not worried about money or you don't need more money, then that starts to run out. So it's only that real purpose or that meaning, that impact that will sustain you for, for a long time. Um, and um, so, yeah, you've got to be really know that you're making a real difference. Because Bates has persevered and continued to work hard, he's now able to enjoy the benefits. Very interesting point. We've got a, a great house. We've renovated it. We're happy here. But, um, you know, we, we've got the ability to potentially do another upgrade, right? And, um, you know, there's, there's financial reasons why we would do that. We, we believe that the ultra high-end part of the market, you know, is is where there's true scarcity. And, you know, we unfortunately every year there's more people that are doing well financially. You know, due to, due to a capitalist society, there will always be people who are um, doing even better and what they're going to want to do is want lifestyle. And so, you know, for financial reasons but also life reasons, we will probably do another upgrade and, um, you know, and probably a build. Um, and so that's sort of how we, how we, you know, build a dream home is sort of the challenges that sort of we're trying to find that piece of land and then also then, you know, facilitate that build and then manage the lifestyle impact of that um, is sort of, you know, what I'm probably working on a personal level. Now, Chris, Thank you so much, I guess, for sharing so much of your wonderful journey and your knowledge and so forth. Last question for you is how much of your success is due to your intelligence, hard work and skill and how much of it do you believe is because of luck? I wouldn't say luck. I do think it is generally down to that. I mean, I remember, you know, like a lot of what's making our business grow is the amount of time that I spent in producing content and researching and we, the the business, you know, at the end of the day, there's 16,000 mortgage brokers, right? And what do we do different? Well, we've gone and invested in in producing content, um, and that was all through hard work and you know and learning, um, etc. Um, so I think that hasn't been luck. Um, that's what's you know created a lot of that success. I mean, we're all lucky. We're all born in Australia, right? Uh, and so, you know, that's that to to me. People have got to remember is that um, 
yeah, uh, you're lucky to be here and you're lucky to have the options here in Australia. So that's a big part to play in it. But then after that, I just think it's it's, it's just sort of dedication and, and learning as much as you can. Thank you to Chris Bates, our guest on this episode of Property Investory. If you love the show, perhaps you're now ready to invest your money in a low-risk, high-return deal. If you are, then SMS me your name and email address on 0499881040 to become a lender. There are amazing opportunities in the property market right now. And I'm looking for lenders who want to invest their money for as short as 6 months. What are you waiting for? Don't let your money just sit in the bank. To register your interest, text me your name and email address on 0499881040. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamline my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.